Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The following program includes the opinions of Cog News and those of the call-in participants. It does not reflect the views of our sponsors. From the Cog News Studios at Broadway and Central in Northeast Minneapolis... I'm Jim Peters, Editor-in-Chief of Conk News, and welcome to the Conk Happy Hour. For Monday afternoon, it is mon- Monday, right? <laughs> it is all of Monday. <laughs> it's all of Monday, uh, January 17th, 2022. Sitting next to me, and actually today, I mean, I've told you folks, we have a very nice studio here. We have a big conference table that we use for our, our uh, panel discussion, but right now, today, because he's... He's training to host his show tomorrow. Tim Conaway is sitting right next to me, and it's it's kind of exciting. <laughs> Teacher, can, can I go pee? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my God! Too many people having too much of a good time. It's terrible. It's awful. Uh, uh, so uh, it's Monday, and Tim. So oh, I do want to point something out, uh, and that no one cares, but I'm going to point it out for because it interests me, and of course, it's all about me. And that is today would have been my father's 108th birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he was an old dude. He was old. He, was old. he had been when he was 52, which is not particularly young, for, which means he was 70 when I graduated from high school. Yeah, that's, yeah. you must have uh, driven him nuts. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine doing the, te- you know, I have a wonderful granddaughter who's been a teenager for the past several years. And uh, which, and that's fun when you're the grandparents, but being the parents of a teenager, uh, I've been through that when I was much younger, and it wasn't easy then. So uh, I can't imagine being old, set in your ways, tired, and having to put up with. You know, I pretty much drove my dad nuts. That's true. He was. I mean, I joke about it now, but it's true. He was pretty much angry all the time. <laughs> And he was from Albania, so, you know, it's like, you know, but anyway, any rate, that's neither here nor there. Although we should, st- I, mean, I don't want to dwell too much on this uh, today, Tim, because everybody is. It is, of course, Martin Luther King Day. But the one thing I do want to dwell on is kind of what's happened, uh, the progression of race relations in the United States since like the 1960s. Yeah, oh yeah, it's gone backwards. Yeah. Uh, uh, Something that occurred to me today, does usually on Martin Luther King days, in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, uh, in the old downtown of the city, um, there's a red brick church on a corner. I don't know the names of the streets, but that's the church where uh, Martin Luther King was the pastor when he started uh, branching out with his message in the 60s. And uh, the ironic thing is that about a block and a half down that same street is the building that housed uh, the original uh, Confederate States of America uh, Capitol building. Really? Yeah. And uh, Jefferson Davis and uh, others assembled there originally, and then it was later moved, I guess, to Virginia or Carolina Someplace. I, it moved around several times. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I always thought that was a uh, you know the first time I visited Montgomery and we drove down the street and there's it was Martin Luther King's church and then we go to, you know it's about four seconds later and there's the original capital of the Confederacy. So um, that's just a little bit of you know geographical history for you on this day. But yeah, the the whole thing of Race relations it has been moved backwards. Uh, you know, the Democrats in particular keep creating these classes of people. Uh, it seemed to me that, you know, by the late 80s, the 90s, 
we'd kind of moved away from all of that and class, uh, you know, uh, race wasn't such a big issue. Uh, so your perception of this is the same as mine. Oh, yeah. 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 And and it, it's like been in the last 15 years that, you know, they've gone back to all this divisive uh, stuff, divisive policies, divisive talk to, you know, to make it that all the races are different and the races to treat each other differently and that kind of stuff that really wasn't happening like 15 years ago. And now it's being forced on us. So. Well, my theory has been, which I've expressed before, and that is as society matures and more and more real problems get solved. If you're, if you're a liberal and looking for problems, you literally have less things to do. And this happened before, Way quicker than I thought it was going to be. But at some point, if you're desperate for things to change and there's nothing to change, you start making shit up. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I look at this, uh, you go back five years, basically when Trump started. Uh, and at that point, like we were like 90% over racism. Uh, and it's not that there are, yeah, there's still racism, racists in the United States. There are, they're all over the place, but relatively speaking, there aren't many of them and they don't have a lot of power. They don't have a lot of influence. And I actually figured in 20 or 25 years at the point pace we were going, this whole thing was going to be done. It was going to be over. Yeah. Well, there, there will always be racists. Right. There uh, will always, you know, that's right. A thousand years from now, there's going to be a bunch of guys in a cave somewhere which will hate black people for no reason. They won't know why. But in terms of actually holding people back or, uh, you know, keeping people down or ostracizing people, I mean, that that really seemed to be done, um, you know, like I say, a long time ago. And it's just been pushed back up. Um, and to, you can say the same that all these, uh, we're not going to, you know, we're going to decriminalize crime. We're not going to prosecute criminals uh, uh, for committing crimes because uh, the, you know, the these the races uh, aren't treated equally. And so, you know, we shouldn't pen- penalize them for committing crime because they're already penalized. I don't know where that idiocy comes from, but all it does is uh, it promotes once again that stereotype that we kind of got away from. Uh, you know, the the all the blacks are criminals, and so uh, you know, blacks have less opportunities. Crime is related to opportunity, but you know, blacks aren't the only ones committing crime, uh, and. Not prosecuting any any crimes, uh, you know, it just brings to the fore and brings to the headlines the worst uh, of the, these groups. And, and and then especially too, I mean, you and I were older individuals, I guess, we're both in our late sixties, mm-hmm. and so we remember uh, what it was like in the sixties, what was going on, and for somebody to compare a life in America now to the way it was sixty years ago, uh, that. You're, that's I, that's just moronic. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no. If you think we're, you know, America's as racist now as it was, as it was sixty years ago, or even close, you're nuts. No, and it's and younger people. Thank being, you. That's the thing. You're right. Younger, go ahead. Yeah, younger people are being taught that that's the way things are, uh, and they're buying what they're being taught. And so again, it's bringing, it's creating all this divide. When uh, you know, the way it was in the '60s, the way it was when Martin Luther King stepped forward uh, and marched, and when other uh, social and civic leaders stepped forward to fight it, uh, yeah, there was systemic racism. It was really bad, but there was a big effort by a lot of people to get rid of that, uh, to work it out of society, to work through it, uh, to overcome those problems, to create opportunities, and that was paying off. And now, you know, this certain segment of society has tried to recreate that situation, 
that doesn't really exist, but by putting it into people's Thank minds, you. you're absolutely right. Then you get this, you know, this hate, and the hate comes both ways. I mean, racism isn't a one-sided thing. If you hate white people because they're keeping you down, you're you're also being racist. And um, uh, you know, I it's sad to see because you know I was part of that movement. I had well from when I was really young, uh, black schoolmates teammates, people that I was friends with when all the stuff came up in the 60s, the late and into the late 60s and 70s. I was, you know, trying to do my part uh, on these things. And I saw, you know, we saw progress and to see it kind of battered down because it suits certain political or financial interests to do it this way is really disheartening. Well, and I'm watching um, Fox News this weekend, and Candace Owens, Owens is on, very well-spoken black woman, and she said, and she's absolutely right, she, she says that black people in America are starting to become wise to the fact that basically from the Democratic Party and the liberal agenda, they're essentially being used and this is they've been used for 50 fucking years right. but now it seems like it's actually coming to the forefront and statistically we do know this in the last year black people are moving away from the democratic party oh, yeah. they are yeah well uh yeah black people are being used as tools the young people are being fed this stuff so that you know all these things boil up that aren't really true anymore and uh, and I recall something that uh, our friend Zorro was saying a while back about also about Latin Americans uh, moving to the, to the right. Uh, my experience with most black people, and this goes back a long way, and most Latin people, you know, in the years that I lived in Los Angeles, is that they have conservative values and conservative morals that they're not um, uh, you know the their cause the so-called cause has been championed by uh, the left uh, politically but many of these people were I knew many black Republicans Latin Republicans uh, you know they're church going people they're moral people they're family oriented people and that's no good for the liberals. So if what you can bring into the headlines are, uh, you know, the troublemakers and the cause, which are just such a small percentage of the black population and the Latin population, you know, the black, there are the statistics that there are more black criminals or more blacks are arrested than whites for similar crimes. But if you bring that up, that fosters that old stereotype uh, that it just isn't true. So, you know, this plays into the media's hands. It plays into political hands. And uh, the Democrats are once again trying to create this category of victims that they can come out and, and be the, the white knights for, <laughs> literally white knights. You talk about the, the, the media. So, and I, I love statistics, and this is a true statistic, and I also, I'm also always amazed by how liberals seem to distort these things in their minds. So here's a statistic. This is from the Washington Post criminal database, and I don't know if you know this, the the Washington Post criminal database is considered the gold standard on criminal data. It's used by all the police stations in the United States. Mm -hmm. All right, so the question is, Tim, and it was put to a bunch of liberals and a bunch of conservatives, How in, and this is the latest data is from 2019, how many black men, unarmed black men, were shot by police in the United States in 2019? Not locally. This is an entire over local, state, and federal. Like, how many? So most uh, liberals who answer that question say thousands. Do you know the actual answer? It's kind of a trick question because the thing is they're saying unarmed. Unarmed can mean without a gun or unarmed, unarmed can mean without any sort of weapon at all. But regardless of how you dice it, it's less than 40 people. Yeah. The actual considered number is 26, but I but but you have to build in for people who have knives and shit or don't, you know? Yeah. Right. 
Well, it's, it's I was, 40 people. Yeah, I was going to say less than 50. Yeah, well, you were, yeah, right on. You were yeah. right on. It's less than 40 people. You ask a Democrat, they'll say thousands. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, trying to build policy based on that assumption, that perception, rather than, than the actual uh, facts of the matter. Uh, hey, hey, oh, I forgot to tell anybody. You can call in and talk to us. The number is 516-418-5472. That's 516-418-5472. In a few minutes, we're going to interview a guy named Larry Newman. And Larry is the president of the Missouri Alliance of Professional Bail Bond Agents. And his thing is he is starting to investigate charitable bail fund organizations. And specifically, and this is the reason I was interested in talking to him, the famous one that happened here in Minneapolis in 2020 when uh, Black Lives Matter moved this ugly head, and Kamala Harris, before she was vice president, got on the horn and started telling anybody, you got to donate to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which is going to let people out of jail. There's a long story about that, and uh, and we're going to uh, talk to Larry in just a minute. But uh, afterward, uh, you know, when you want to talk to Larry, too, feel free to call in. Once again, it's 516-418-5472. We're going to take a commercial break right now, everybody. Uh, We'll be back in two minutes. Stay tuned, please. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Folks, this is very important information. What's to be said about CBD? AncientLifeOil.com. Our CBD is made from hemp and has .003 THC, which means this wonderful product won't get you high. No matter what amount you take, what does CBD do for the body? My hands are tied. But you can Google CBD benefits and be Larry, astounded. can you hear me? When you're finished reading, you'll want to log on to AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com and purchase. Life is good when you feel good. People are tired of pain. People are asking for non-GMO organic products to help them with <laughs> you fill in the blank. Legal in 49 states, and again, our CBD is made from hemp. Ancient Life Oil is about helping people one by one by one. If you wonder how good the product is, the CEO takes it every day without miss. AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com. Have a great day. Part two of the happy hour. Jim Peters here. Tim Conaway riding shotgun, looking good Ooh. while he's doing it. Larry, are you on the line? Hello? Yes, I am here, Jim. Thank La- you. Larry's there. Okay, Larry. This is Larry Newman. He is the president of the Missouri Alliance of Professional Bail Bond Agents. That's in Missouri, for those of you who are wondering. Thanks for calling in, Larry. Larry, appreciate it. Hello? Larry? Are you there? He was, oh, lost him. Oh, okay. All right, Larry, call back. (laughs) We lost Larry. He hung up or got cut off or something. Anyway, hopefully we'll hear from him soon. But the number is five one six four one eight five four seven two. 
You're very good at that. Yes. All right, let's talk about some other stuff in the news while Larry's calling back. Uh, did you see this thing, uh, Tim, about uh, the assistant attorney general of the United States is sitting, setting up a domestic terror unit to investigate uh, these are to investigate anti-authoritarian Americans. And so I'm watching this and I'm look, listening to this press conference and I'm thinking, uh, this is, well, that's authoritarianism, isn't it? All right, we're going to try this again. I think this is Larry again, if I'm right. Larry, are you there? Yeah. Okay. So I am here. Yes. We got cut off. So sorry about that. So I was teasing Technology the audience. Technology is wonderful. I'm sorry, say again? Technology is wonderful. Oh, yes, it is. It is. Larry, so... Uh, tell me, how did you, how did you get involved with the bail bond, the bail bonds thing in the first place? Like, where is was it? What, well, like, I, go ahead. Well, I I was uh, a deputy sheriff uh, in Jasper County, Missouri, and a detective for a number of years. And uh, when I retired, uh, a gentleman reached out to me and asked me to be a bail bondsman, and I had absolutely no idea what this was. Um, and over, over the years, I've learned that we're basically a, um, a method of, um, responsibility and accountability to the courts, uh, guaranteeing the appearance of an individual that's accused of a crime, make sure they show up for court so the victim gets closure. And, uh, so that's how I got into it. And I work in the courts every day and, work with the judges and the prosecutors and the attorneys, clients, of course. So we make sure that they appear in court uh, to be held accountable for their actions. So your your thing right now is these bail bond charities, right? Or how, 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 yes, that's... Uh, is that the proper term? I don't even know. Um, it's. I think it's a proper term. I really don't even know what the proper term for them is. Uh, it's Bail is about accountability. Bail is about responsibility. When a person is accused of committing a crime, they are to be responsible and accountable to the courts to adjudicate the case, either dismissed or prosecuted. And the bail projects, um, my observation of them has been, it's been more about just getting people out so they don't have to be held accountable, uh, getting them back out on the street, um, more crimes committed. And you can see from the crime statistics over the last two or three years the, the effect of that get-out-for-free Well, you, you know, we, we do this show from Minneapolis, and, and we have one of the famous cases here from the, from the summer of 2020, which you, put, uh, which you talked about in your preparation materials, and that is the Minnesota Freedom Fund. So uh, do you want to explain this? I can explain this, but you go ahead. If you can tell, want to tell us what you know. Well, my understanding of the Minnesota Freedom Fund is a fund that was set up, a nonprofit organization for people with lots of money to donate to, um, to on the premise that nobody is guilty of anything. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that's that's the that's the whole that's the whole problem. Society right now has a cancer, and it's a cancer of entitlement. Everybody is entitled to do whatever they want to do, uh, break whatever law they want to break, because that's what they want to do. And so that's, that is the end goal here. And the money from the bail project get people out of jail. Um, there's no accountability. They have no authority to um, pursue that individual if they flee. And uh, so, therefore, there's no accountability, no responsibility, and that's that's the big problem: no responsibility, no accountability. But Larry, you don't understand. If I'm in jail, I don't feel good. I want to feel good. You need to put me back out on the street so I can bomb some more buildings so I can feel better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. don't break the law, and you're free. Seventy-five <laughs> percent of the people in this country never have contact with law enforcement in their entire lives. 
because they don't break the law. You know, you may yeah. get you may get a speeding ticket, or you may get a you may uh, run a stop sign, and that's the most that you'll ever have contact. Well, when, so the, the vast in, majority of Americans don't have contact with law enforcement. Here in Minnesota, you know, we've heard we've heard plenty about this because those protests were mostly peaceful. Even though there's a whole bunch of buildings in South Minneapolis that have yet to be rebuilt, and a whole bunch of people lost their businesses, but I guess they're mostly peaceful protests. I guess. So anyway, you might you might uh, figure that I'm kind of a cynic. Well, so, well but he, that's what CNN said. But you know, yeah, oh, I know that. You know, their their viewership went to pieces. So it's the the funniest thing is they and, did it twice. That's the thing I don't understand. The guy's standing in front of a burning building, and he said, "Oh, there's mostly peaceful protests." Oh yeah, sure, right. And there's a building burning down behind him. It's like hilarious. <laughs> I have my friend here, Tim Conaway. Tim, you gotta. Yeah, yeah, Larry, good to meet you. And uh, so this fund, like somebody goes to to jail and they don't Mm -hmm. actually have to personally come up with uh, any bail money to or to pay the uh, to buy a bond uh, to get out of jail. This fund pays it for them. Is that correct? That's correct. So if they skip, then... uh, it, they haven't done anything wrong because uh, it was the other people that, that posted the bail. Is that the way I understand it? Well, they did. Okay, you say they. I'm assuming you're talking about the defendant. The defendant did nothing wrong. He took off. He didn't go to court. You know, he shouldn't be held accountable for that. That's what they say. Oh, okay. And okay. so... And nobody, yeah. And, like, nobody how... sits in jail. No, nobody should sit in jail waiting uh, for court, um, and so that's that's their premises that, well, it's all built on the premise that the police are the bad guys, okay? That's right. the whole premise behind this. The police are the bad guys. The yeah, police are arresting people. They shouldn't even arrest them. But, Larry, you know, I just yes, want to... they I wanna... broke into a store or to a house, and they took other people's property, took off with it, Maybe beat somebody, but the cops should not arrest those people and put them in jail. I want to pick up to where I that's, think that's Tim, all premise by I you. think Tim was going to ask this as the next question. Forgive me, Tim, if I'm wrong, but still, I want to know. So the thing is, if you if your bail was came, came out of this fund and you skip bail or skip bond, the defendant does not actually owe any money. The bond or the the fund has to pay the remainder of the bail. Is that the way it works? Well, as structurally, from what I understand, the judge sets a bond. By constitution, he has to set a bond. The The bail project comes in and they pay the face amount. Let's say it's a $5,000 bond. The bail project pays the court $5,000. Okay? And that person walks out of jail. Right. If they don't show up for court, then the court forfeits that bond and takes that money. The Braille Project does not get it back. But but the defendant, the the person who was charged with the crime, uh, is now basically free to do as they please because Correct. because of forfeited bond. Okay, and so this money. Do you have any idea, like how much money? Uh, on average, these people have collected and, because, besides Minnesota, this is going on other places as well. I assume. Oh, it's going on all across the country. I have not seen a total number of dollars, uh, or any or any um, any research done into how much money has been spent in total. Um, I know in Missouri, the, the two bail projects in Missouri have closed their doors. Because in Missouri, if that defendant goes to court and takes care of their case, then that money is refunded. But by law, it has to be refunded to the defendant, not to the bail project. Oh, so the defendants go to court, <laughs> plead guilty. Um, they get out on uh, They get out on probation, which means that they're out of jail the next day. They plead guilty. They're out on probation the next day. The court sends the money back to the defendant, and the bail project doesn't get anything. 
So you basically actually uh, make money for me for committing crime. <laughs> Man. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> what, a, what a deal. Oh, and then the um, so we had heard that the Minnesota, when it collected, what did you think, Jim? $22 million? dollars. Yeah. Is that right? Is that right, Larry? Mm-hmm. The Minnesota- uh, that's the figure I heard. And, and supposedly they only actually spent $200,000 on bail. Is that right? That's not surprising. And so, not then the question is, what happened to the other $21,800,000? Is that in somebody's bank account somewhere? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you've got expenses for staff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, uh, well, and this whole thing of just giving the, I didn't realize the criminals were also making money out of this scheme, but, uh, the whole thing of just giving somebody, you know, a, a tap on the back of the hand and uh, setting them free, uh, the police are so demoralized that uh, I know that in the state of Minnesota right now, there are 1,000 police positions that are open uh, across the state, and they're having a heck of a time getting anybody to apply for the job because who wants to step into something where uh, the courts don't have your back, the city councils don't have your back. So it's just, it's a horrible situation. Correct. And that's, that was the purpose of this is to demoralize and attack police. Um, That's, that's been, a big part of this whole thing, and you've been seeing that since 2009, or 10, 2009. Hey, Larry. And uh, the police have been under attack. Yes. Larry, do you think that the, the charitable bail fund organizations should be illegal, or what do you propose as a solution to this? That, well, that's, that's, a, that's a question as to whether they should be illegal. I, I don't I don't know. Anyone anyone can go out there and, and say I'm gonna go bond this person out for free. Okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna require them to pay money. They shouldn't be in jail. So as far as outlawing it, the the purpose behind these bail projects that are funded in the millions of dollars, um I, I kinda see what's behind that. But uh, I can see where it would be, you know, in certain situations it would be um, ethical and and totally justified for someone to go down to the jail and pay someone's bail. But there has to be accountability, and that's where the surety bail industry comes in. I'm sorry, the you what? Know, we bond someone out. Surety. The, surety? The surety bail industry. Surety, yes, we are we are surety bondsmen. We're insurance agents, licensed insurance agents. We post a surety bond, which is a, a, in, a uh, insurance instrument. We guarantee the appearance of that defendant. If that defendant skips bail, then we have the constitutional authority and and rulings by the U.S. Supreme Court that we can travel anywhere and recover that person and return them to custody at our expense that but sounds kind of interesting we return those people to custody you ever do that that's larry how, that's how surety bail works larry have you ever personally done that uh, oh yeah oh uh, a bit. i brought them back from from maine from mexico from florida california washington you know every corner of the united states wow yeah and that way you make sure one that the person uh, you know, it goes to trial, and two, then that money is not forfeited, because otherwise your firm would have to forfeit that money to the court. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Right. And we op- we operate on about a 25 to 3% margin, so we don't have a lot of, uh, of, of financial margin to work with here. So we've got to make sure that those people show up for court. That's our job. That's our responsibility. That's what we do. 
And that way, what's important about what we do is that we bring these people back. We bring them back to put them back in custody at the jail so that they can go to the court and they can get their case completed for the benefit of the victim. The victim of a crime is the most important person in the criminal justice system. That's who we're all working for. That's who the prosecutor works for, the judge, law enforcement. That's what the surety bail bondsman does. That way, the victim can get closure. Now, if he's adjudicated, if he didn't commit the crime, he's released. But if he did commit the crime, then the victim gets closure. That's what surety bail does. The bail projects are simply a let people out of jail, go back to committing a crime, and, and demoralize the police, demoralize society. That's the only purpose that can be um, that can be logically came to as a conclusion when you look at the structure of the bail project. Yes, it does seem like right now the vic- the criminals are being actually put up as the victims, doesn't it? It seems absurd, you know? Yes. Well, Ronald Reagan said until we stop making the criminal the victim in society as the bad guy, uh, this, is, this is going to do nothing but get worse. Um, all you're doing is giving an excuse to the criminal to go out and commit more crimes because now he's learned that there's, he doesn't have to be responsible for his actions. Hey, Larry, if, is there any, if there's, if there's any one thing you want the public to know about all this, what is it? Responsibility. It needs to come back to responsibility. There has to be some accountability and the surety bail is the only accountable only accountable interest in this court system to make sure that that defendant appears in court and either gets cleared or gets convicted. If he, if he committed a crime, he needs to pay the penalty. If we don't put some teeth back into the criminal justice system and actually make people responsible for their actions, and make it painful, you can take that however you want to put it, but there has to be some teeth in the criminal justice system or people will commit, will continue to commit crimes because they do it and they get out for free and they can go out and do more. So the safety of the community, your safety, my safety, the safety of your family depends on getting the criminal justice system back on track to where it's supposed to be. So, Larry, I have one, one, yeah. last, one last question here. So why, what do you think the end game is for, for getting it off of track? Why are all these DAs all of a sudden letting all these people go? What, what is their end game? What are, are they actually trying to destabilize society? Why are they doing this? Your personal opinion. Well, I think you may have just hit it. Okay, a, a reasonable person can look at the evidence and come to that to the conclusion that you just came to. Yeah, history but... is is a, is gives all the evidence. Um, this has been done before. This is not the first time. This been done over and over and over. Okay, and destabilizing society. Um, in my opinion is exactly why this is happening. And the idea is basically to destabilize society so that government can rescue it itself? You know, you cause a problem so you can fix it? Well, what problems has government fixed? (laughs) Welcome to the show, Larry. (laughs) You're welcome. That's what we're doing here. All right. When you when you analyze this and you come at it from a logical evaluation, this gets to the point to where it scares you absolutely to death. 
Yeah, it does. And all you've got to do is go back and look at China. You look at Russia. You look at Germany in the 30s. You look at Venezuela. You look at Cuba. Okay? Take away, take away the guns. Take away their, you control their health care. You destabilize the legal system. Okay? Those are three of the things that happen every time. And the only result, when those are successful, are those countries that I just spoke about. Yeah. Of course, Ven- I'm, Venice- I'm a detective. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got an affliction. It's, it's a disease, my wife says, because I analyze everything. I come at it from a detective's point of view. I look at all the evidence. And when you eliminate all the impossible, you're only left with the possible. It's a good way to it's look at it. Scary guys. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, you know, I'm I'm a trained professional cynic myself, and I have many years in in the media, uh, and uh, uh, so yeah, you you look at the worst. What's the worst side of it? What's the worst outcome? And and I agree 100 percent with what you're saying. It's and, and it's happening. This time around it is just a full-fledged assault i mean it's coming from so many different directions all at once all across the country it and so that is frightening and they're brazen too at this point they're not even trying to hide it anymore yeah yeah well they've taken over the schools and eliminated the history books but yeah. you and I are probably old enough, and I'm sorry, I didn't I don't mean to mention that you're older. Oh, no, 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 we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm guessing enough. we're older than you, Larry, is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're old enough to have been in school when history was still taught. And history teaches us what will happen in the future, because it repeats itself, Okay. So we've seen the evidence, we've seen the actual effect of the things that are happening now. We've seen the effect in what happens in the past. And it's all nice to say, well, we're going to do it differently this time. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. It doesn't work that way. Okay? Right. That's, the, is, that's this, my... This, that's... Whole thing, this whole thing is to demoralize law enforcement, demoralize the society, and... That's what it's doing. You're, you're seeing the effect. I mean, there's no more guesswork about what the effect is going to be because we're already seeing it. That's my favorite thing about my liberal friends who all say, oh, democratic socialism, you don't understand. We're going to do it differently. No, no, you aren't. <laughs> no, it's never going to no. be different ever. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it isn't. No, no, it's, it's, it's designed to fail. No, it, it yes. Uh, do, do you remember what the USSR was? Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Union of Soviet Socialistic Republics. They were communists. Yeah. Okay. They called themselves socialists, but they were communists. So you can dress it up and call it democratic socialism. It's still a pig. Well, (laughs) there you go. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Larry, it's really I nice. I hope I don't offend any of your listeners. No, 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 Larry. People, that's what we're selling here. That's what people come. So, no, 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 you fit right in. Yeah. We appreciate it. Really, seriously, <laughs> really nice uh, talking to you. Really, thank, thanks thanks for calling in. Appreciate it a lot. Well, thank you. I do appreciate it. Uh, call me anytime. Is there uh, is there um, any uh, organization or anything you want to pitch here or anything like that? The Minnesota or Missouri Alliance of Professional Bay Bond Agents, I'm guessing they don't take donations or anything, but is there anything you're involved with? You wanna Well yes, well yes, we're working we're working with the legislature right now trying to get uh, a handle on this. Uh, what we're trying to do in Missouri is we're trying to get the judges to follow the statutes and not be able to go off on uh, different tangents thinking that they can and there's no accountability. So we work with the legislature. Um, I'm a, on the board of directors of the Professional Bondsman of the United States. Uh, we work nationally in Washington, uh, working on that also. Uh, but we do what we can, and, uh, you know, we're trying to, trying to make this, this world a safer place. Larry, we're going to have you on again. 
I really appreciate you calling in. Very nice talking to you. Yeah, we are. You, yeah, you take care. Thank you, guys. You take care. Thank, thank you. We'll see you. Uh huh. You bet. Bye bye. Bye. That's Larry Newman. He's the president of the Missouri Alliance of Professional Bail Bond Agents. And uh, if you don't mind my saying so, Tim, I thought that was pretty fascinating. Yeah. He's a, he's a good man, and he's got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, well, that whole thing is, you know, it's not under. So a lot of people don't understand how the bail bonding things work in the first place. But, uh, you know, these guys are accountable. They got to pay up if the guy, if they post the the bail and the guy doesn't show up for court, they it costs them. And yeah. uh, whereas this other thing, they're just giving the, the money to the court. And then, as we found out, if the criminal does uh, want to show up, the court will, you know. The fund doesn't get the money. The criminal the fund does. doesn't get the money. The criminal gets the, the bail money that was posted for him. So right. uh, what, a, what a racket. Yeah, really. And we never, and the thing we never did actually ask Larry. Uh, ter- I'm terrible. We never actually asked him what he thought happened to the 22 million dollars here in Minnesota. Well, we did. We did. No, we just, did. He didn't he really. Yeah, didn't, he didn't know. Didn't know. Yeah, that's right. Excuse me. I'm burping. That's awful. I'm on the radio. I'm burping. Hey, um, folks, we're going to take another commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay tuned, please. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't wait to find out if inflation will ruin your retirement plan. Gold and other precious metals are a real defensive measure against today's rising inflation and scary road ahead. Listen to my friend Alan Johnson from United Gold Group. Thousands of Americans already know the only safe investment are those backed by real value. Gold increases in value, strengthening and securing your investment. United Gold Group offers the lowest prices in the precious metals market, so it's easy for anyone to invest. So for a limited time, receive up to $2,500 in free gold when you sign up for a gold IRA. United Gold Group makes gold ownership affordable and quick. They'll deliver gold and other precious metals to you securely within 72 hours. Call United Gold Group today at 800-753-8534. That's 800-753-8534. Or visit unitedgoldgroup.com. That's unitedgoldgroup.com. Part three of the happy hour on Blog Talk Radio. Tim Conway is sitting next to me. He's very close, and I find it kind of—it's kind of stimulating, actually. So I have that effect on everyone. <laughs> yeah, but you can't smell me, can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we just got done talking to Larry Newman, and that was really a fascinating conversation. It actually was. So, actually, Tim, there's something you need to explain to me too. The one thing that I was confused about this whole thing is that I knew the whole part about the fact that if the you know if the, if you skip out on bail you lose the money. But what I didn't I thought that the actual money put up that the actual quote unquote bail is only a percentage of the total bond, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Bail is usually ten percent of uh, what the total bond is. The court sets a bond. They let you out on bail, but. Um, the the bond is posted by usually the the uh, surety bonding agents, and so what they do is they tell the court, uh, yeah, we will uh, if this person doesn't show up for court, we will pay the five thousand dollars if that's what the bond is. The the person who uh, you know has been charged usually only has to put up ten percent of that, although they do usually have to show some kind of collateral or some kind of ability to pay the whole thing uh-huh. uh, if it comes to, down to that. If the person doesn't show up, 
then the court is going, you know, the the bondsman is going to forfeit that money that they put up to the court. So that's why they go out and they have the legal authority to go get somebody. They used to be called bounty hunters. They're actually they're another term, more modern term, is skip tracer. Uh, but bail enforcement agent is the, uh, you know, the kind of dressed up term for it. Uh, and the reason that they have that authority is the person has been charged by the court and technically is in the custody of the court. Even though they're not being held in jail, they are in the custody of the court and they are under a charge. So this person isn't arresting them. They're simply bringing them to court as they are bound to do by law, as the the defendant is bound to appear in court by law. Mm -hmm. And so the bail enforcement agent is, you know, within their legal rights to do that. When they bring them back, then the court then releases that forfeited bond. Let me get the math straight here. If the bond is $50,000, the defendant puts up, or someone in his behalf, yeah. puts up $5,000. Right. If he never shows up, somebody owes the court the whole $50,000, yeah, right? Yeah, that's bond, the bond agent. The bond agent does, right, Pays it. exactly. And, and these uh, you know, nonprofits that we're doing that were basically uh, willing to forfeit the entire amount of the bond, uh, to release this person and and you know let them go away the, the court the court doesn't go out and try to capture these people and bring them back the police if they uh, encounter are encountered by the police then the police can bring them back and you know uh, have the authority to do that but the police don't go act, act actively looking for them and since it's this agency that is putting up the money and they're willing to forfeit it all, they don't send anybody after the the defendant uh, to bring them back to court and get back their bond money. Um, they just let them run free. So, in, you know, I'm, I'm, and I think you are too, I'm completely pissed off about this, about this thing about January 6th being an insurrection of all time when no one no one seemed to pay any attention, at least in the government or in the Democratic liberal side of the, the aisle, of all the riots that happened during 2020. I just And it just boggles my mind. I mean, there was so, so first of all, a bunch, 20 or 30, the number of people that got killed, I think, is indeterminate, but it's at least 20, if I'm right. There's about $2 billion of property damage. Like we were saying, here in South Minneapolis, there's still whole streets of buildings that haven't been reconstructed. It still looks like a war zone, and nobody seemed to give a crap. And then all of a sudden, we hear about Black Lives Matter. And this is right, and you and I have talked about this on a previous podcast, and you know, know it's the same thing. So one day, I'm watching television, and I see a sign that says, Black trans lives matter, and I'm going, huh? What? <laughs> yeah. What? What? And I know what trans people. I know about trans. But I'm thinking, do you know how few black trans people there are in the United States? Well, it's like, <laughs> yeah, and, and way to you know horn in on some other larger issue uh, there with for t- something absolutely silly. Yeah, but you know the. The January sixth thing wasn't an insurrection. It was it was a riot. Uh, you know, it, it was a mob that got out of control. But to call it an insurrection or anything else uh, is kind of painting a, a, a picture of it that uh, I don't think that's what it was. An insurrection would have a different look to it. And you know, the main difference to me is that uh, federal prosecutors are appointed. And and they are serious. Don't mess with federal prosecutors. Uh, whereas local prosecutors, local district attorneys, by and large, are elected. Uh, I I don't really know of any place where that's not an elected position. And um, you know, so they're looking at the political side of it. Uh, the city councils, county commissions, all that kind of stuff. The the state attorney general is an elected position, not an appointed position. So, uh, you know, they're looking at the political side of taking this action, whereas federal prosecutors aren't. That's the difference in seeing all these people from January 6th who are being prosecuted versus all of 
the people in Portland and uh, Charlotte and Minneapolis and and uh, wherever else uh, these uh, city riots went on, uh, not getting charged, not getting held, not getting held accountable. Uh, that's to me that's uh, the, the obvious difference. The police the police declared a riot in. Portland, Oregon, 120 nights in a row. Mm. Like, Jesus Christ. I mean, this is crazy shit, and nobody seems to care. Well, and they couldn't, I mean, if they, and they could have arrested all kind of people and brought them in, and they would have just uh, got a slap on their wrist. Well, apparently that's what happened. They would arrest people, and four hours later, they'd be out. They'd be out, and they'd be back the next night and doing it again. Exactly. And that's why, you know, police officers are quitting because they just, They've got no support, and so there. You know, a lot of veteran officers are taking early retirement. Some of them are just quitting and trying to go move into the private sector, um, and just leaving all these openings. And then, you know, young people who might otherwise want to be police officers are looking at that, saying, "I don't want to go into that field." And so, you know, and that's an area where you don't want to hire just anybody who shows up. Right. Uh, you know, so it's it's making it very tough. And you get – so you get a situation where the police departments are uh, all diminished and, you know, stripped of uh, – well, not stripped of their, their power. They can still arrest people, but if these people don't get – held in jail if they don't get prosecuted, if they're just released and, and you know, somebody else pays the, the bond for them uh, and, you know, they go back to it and the police are dispirited and disheartened. So if you, uh, if the police's hands are tied, then there's more and more crime. And then that's when the, at some point the federal government is going to step in and save us all from this problem that, you know, they or the local government Whoever, you know, they all create this problem and then they're going to step in and save us from it. But they're going to save us from it by, uh, you know, being some draconian measures. And as you said earlier, there's, you know, this uh, assistant attorney general's this domestic terrorist thing looking at people who, uh, you know. You are so good at the segue. Yeah, (laughs) anti-authoritarian stuff. Well, you know. If you're challenging the government for not doing this, if you're challenging the local school board uh, for trying to teach a bunch of stupid stuff or to, for taking out the history, as, as Larry pointed out earlier on, uh, you know, if you're challenging these state governments and they can de- declare you as a, a terrorist for doing that, that is, I mean, that is just about as frightening as it gets. And, and, and Tim, according to the guidelines of this new commission that's been set up, this anti-terrorist group, it doesn't explicitly say that you have to commit violence to be somebody who's tracked. In other words, it's basically the thought police. Yeah, oh, exactly. Just if you've demonstrated the fact that you are against some of these issues, even by your speech, you can be declared a domestic terrorist. And this is this is Nazi shit. Oh I yeah. Mean, oh yeah. I mean, it's the Nazi or Communist Party. Any any of these groups that uh, those totalitarian groups, uh, the you know the Chinese, uh, uh, the way they operate things. Yeah, you don't uh, you don't challenge uh, the authority in public. And if you do, you end up in jail. I mean, look at everybody who's tried to run against uh, uh, Ali Putin, uh, the most famous gay dictator in, in the world. Uh, you know, Putin is like, if, if you these guys who challenge him, they all end up in jail. Uh, you know, they, they don't just smear him with mud. They don't, you know, they just take you right to jail. Don't forget China. Same thing. Well, China, I don't even know, is anybody actually stupid enough to stand up and, and say anything in public in China? Every The thing about the, Putin's uh, adversaries is that they were, they were billionaires. They made their money. They just weren't part of Putin's racket where they kicked up, uh, you know, because everything comes up to the top. He's one of the richest men in the world because all the businesses over there kick up to him. They are or, paying homage. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And uh, uh, But in China, every business is owned by the Chinese government. 
So, uh, you know, they, they have an ownership stake in every business. So I don't know if there's anybody in any of those places that isn't appointed by their government that would have the platform to speak up and say You know, it is interesting, though, because in China, and more than one analyst has pointed this out, and I kind of noticed this, too, so it helped that somebody pointed out to me, that when when Xi started his reign, and I was I think like five, seven years ago, whenever it was, I don't know, th- they were tolerating mild government dissent. In other words, if you got on the Internet and you said, I don't like, you know, what the local, you know, sheriff's doing or something like that, you know, uh, they, they were okay with that. It was only the hardcore people who were really trying to bring down the government thereafter. But now they've hardened up. Now you can't get on the internet and say, "Oh, the local sheriff's fucked up." Now that will send you to jail too. Oh yeah, uh, they've gotten worse. In other words, oh yeah. You know? Well, he's you know he's the crackdown. Guy. That's right. He is. And, yeah. Uh, you know, getting getting them toughened up with these these little uh, things like. Their thing is Taiwan. Russia's thing is Ukraine. And, you know, they're just toying with ways to get us involved, to drag us into some of these conflicts. And, you know, we need to do what we can to stand up for these guys. But we don't really need – do we really need to get dragged into these things over Taiwan or Ukraine? Well, Telsia Gabbard said on Fox News this last weekend, she said – People have to understand, if we get dragged into the Ukraine, it will be the beginning of World War Three. Oh, yeah. And she's right. Well, Taiwan, same thing. Yes, if that's we do correct. That, right. And if we do both of them at the same time, we're once again split, uh, you know, between two uh, uh, enemies that— uh, Divide and conquer. Uh, yeah. Right. You know, that's going to be tough. So, yeah. So, yeah, these are just teasing games that they're, they're playing uh, on that kind of stuff. Uh, I— think that uh, they would they would like for something to happen and you know if they take taiwan and they take ukraine then they you know and that doesn't get us involved then they will find the next place and the next place and and you know keep trying to push that button they're just baiting us yeah Yeah. that's right now folks i want to point out that tomorrow on tomorrow's happy hour Tim will be hosting here. He'll be taking your phone calls at 516-418-5472. You didn't call in today, you big fucking jerks. <laughs> oh, I just joke. I'm a joker. So, That's yeah, what I do. Call in and talk to me. Yeah, call in and talk to Tim. I got, uh, you know, hey, hey, I'll talk about anything. I, yeah. I, I like to, I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about some of this stuff that we go on about and topics that maybe we're not touching on that you'd like to to get into. Oh, I'm just going to ask though, Tim, please save the UFO shit for me. Tim, you know, not that Tim's not interested in that, but I'm way too interested. Right. So yeah, so I'm going to ask you to do that. Just save the, call in for me for the UFO shit. Otherwise, anything else goes. UFO shit, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, and, and Bigfoot. And yeah, <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah, I'm just more, you know, like celebrity gossip. Uh, or not so much celebrity oh gossip. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, celebrity guy. I got this one feed that is just like, oh, you know, do a lip uh, says hello in bathing suit from Malta, and it's just all these things are just like, well, yeah, I'd like to see those guys. Oh my god! But uh, you know, that's that's my idea of celebrity news. Oh my god, Mister Conway, you're so funny. You made me laugh. They keep doing things, you know, like Sharon Stone and. And Christy Brinkley. Oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, they're, Sharon Stone and Christy Brinkley, they're age-appropriate. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's what I'm saying. They're age-appropriate. I'm 69 years old, so, like, giving me the women in their 60s is, yeah. you know, thanks, but, uh, you know, let's, let's do more of the whoever. I don't know a lot of these people. I'd, get, I'd say their names, but I don't even know who a lot of them are. But I will look at them in a bathing suit. Yeah, and I gotta say, I, I yeah, at this point, I'm kind of looking for the hot senior citizens. Yeah. I like <laughs> also, uh, you know, uh, gun control issues. I, I'm uh, right now just really uh, armed citizens are uh, people are having to defend themselves against all the criminals, and it's not because the I, I'm not blaming the cops for this. Um, the cops. It, can't protect everybody all the time. I'm blaming all these uh, politicians who are letting 
not only letting all the criminals run loose, but they're encouraging people to commit crime because they're not having to to uh, pay for their crimes. Well, have you noticed that the Democratic Party all of a sudden isn't complaining about gun control because over the last two years, a shitload of Democrats went out and bought guns? Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, and Larry uh, Newman was saying earlier about, you know, his frightening times, and I tell you, not since the criminal carnival of uh, 1992 in Los Angeles when all the riots were out there, have I felt uh, as as unsafe going out and about? Uh, uh, you know, it's been that long, and now I feel like, yeah, uh, extra measures are necessary. Extra caution is necessary. Be cautious when you're out and about. Uh, don't travel alone. Don't go, you know, down dark streets alone. And uh, keep your head up. Throw your put your fucking phone in your pocket. <laughs> And uh, and put your head on a swivel and look around. But yeah, these these are scary times, and uh, you know people need to be ready to defend themselves. Well put, well put. And with that, folks, we're going to call it a night. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. So yeah, Tim will be here tomorrow. I'll be here on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday night we run the first listen of our. Conk Weekend Podcast here. Now, that's a pre-recorded show. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, the thing is we've got t- so many thing, things here to kind of promote or tell you about, and i got to start making lists. This is awful. But, you know, if you're off air and you think about something that we said here and you want to comment, you can do that. You can go to conk.com slash voicemail, or actually there's a link there's a, a pullout right on the conk front page at conk.com, and you can leave, leave us a voicemail, and we could even use it on the air. Matter of fact, I have one here, a recent one. David comments from my mother. Hello, this is David again. Your mom was wonderful this past weekend. She's great. Anyway, keep it up. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. See, that could be you. So, yeah, you go to conk.com, and you should go to conk.com anyway just to get your news. Now, the really funny part is here, and we, we all talk about this. You know, it's our website, but we all access our own website to get the news. We all do. We actually yeah. we love it. We did a really good job, and you should find that out. It's at conk.com. So, folks, thanks for listening, everybody. Tim Conaway will be here tomorrow, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks.